Hi everyone, Sanibo Namulwini. Welcome to another episode of the series From Our Heart to Yours. I am your host, Nokanyo Lulundlovo, a counseling psychologist and an imago therapist. In the previous episode, we spoke about intimacy. We explored different types of intimacy. We spoke about attunement. We spoke about some, what are some of the things that compromise or negatively affect intimacy. I want to remind you that our focus this season is on increasing pleasure and decreasing pain. We don't want to be hurting in the relationship. We don't want pain. We don't want to be crying like we are married to an onion. We want to enjoy. We want to have joy and safety and connection and aliveness. Now, if you recently joined this family, I want you to go back to season one. We are going to find uh, the backstory as well as the foundation principles of this uh, home or this ship that you are building. We said here we are talking about a ship that is called a relationship. And you said you are building a home, a home that is a place to run to and not a place to run away from. This episode is entitled Re-Romanticizing the Relationship. Remember before we have spoken about revisioning the relationship and the, the assumption is that there was a vision and it may have lost somewhere in the business of life. And now we're talking about re-romanticizing the relationship. Again, the assumption is that there was romance somewhere. But now we want to awaken that once again. Now, one of the basic principles of Imago therapy is the restoration of joyful aliveness in the relationship. And this is achieved when our interactions embody our consciousness of our partner and enable us to build and celebrate safety and connection. Now, we speak about being aware, being aware that you are in a relationship with someone and that there is a container here that needs nurturance. And you know, once you are conscious of this, the result is going to be a powerful transformational shift, even for that couple whose relationship is in crisis. Now, if you can remember, we said when you are in the power struggle, there is self-absorption. There is me, 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 I, me, and myself. You are so entrenched in your own pain. You're so held in shackles by your frustration that you're dismissive of the fact that your partner is in pain too. And the relationship, unfortunately, is hurting. But when you choose consciousness, you're able to regulate your emotions to self-soothing. And this awakens your prefrontal cortex, uh, the seat of logic and decision-making. And now this is what is going to allow you to reflect on what it is that this partner, uh, your partner needs or the relationship needs. And you're going to discover that, you know what, if I can be regulated myself, if I can hold myself, if I can contain myself, if I can be a, a source of safety for my partner, if I can be the one who's trying to enhance connection, then you're going to find that even that power struggle is going to begin to settle. And you're going to find yourself now that you are in this space where there's peace and safety and joy and there's nurturance. And we emphasize that commitment is very important, that it takes commitment to your partner and commitment to the relationship. And you said when it comes to change, you can't just sit here and fold your arms and be like, I'm going to change when they change. No, I am going to initiate the change. I'm going to initiate the process. There's going to be peace and love here. And if it calls for it, it is going to become, it, it is going to start with me. I'm the one who's going to start this. And you said, once you can make a shift, it's going to have a ripple effect. And you're going to start reaping the rewards. Now, we are all made of energy. And energy is a characteristic of pulsation. When you feel safe and loved, you tend to pulse rhythmically. Our hearts pump in and out. Our lungs fill with air and exhale without difficulty. Our insides melt and you feel, you know, physically feel the warmth flooding your body. When your pulsation is in balance, you're going to find that there is that sense of relaxed joyfulness, a oneness with your partner and with the universe. And this is where the healing of past wounds happens. The space between. Remember, we spoke about the space between. And you said it is transformative when it is safe and pulsating with positive energy. 
loving and being you know loving and being loved will have a beautiful effect it will have this positive effect but it's interesting that in the absence of this pleasure inducing phenomenon called love people are going to sometimes turn into drugs and porn and food and alcohol and shopping in an attempt to do what to feel alive and unfortunately it is in this zone that addictions are birthed if you recall when we shared about the relationship stages we spoke about the romantic stage spoke about power struggle and conscious relationship we said during the romantic stage our bodies are flooded with dopamine and serotonin adrenaline and all of these things are flooding our body adrenaline is pumping you're energized we've got that feeling of euphoria there's happiness there's joy there's aliveness but we said everything that goes up must come down so this settles you habituate now instead of now you hitting a lull when you get into this mature love now we spoke about consciousness and you said in this stage now there is another chemical that takes over you know once the fleeting surges come down now this chemical now this neurotransmitter is the one that is going to en to ensure that not only do you fall in but you walk in and you stay in and you live in love now this chemical called oxytocin it is the one that is found prevalent mostly in mature conscious relationship stages. Now, the brain chemistry and the physiological experience here is different from that of the romantic love stage. Now, oxytocin has also been called uh, the love drug or the cut chemical because its levels also increase when you are hugging someone. You can see it thrives on warmth and uh, it is uh, secreted mostly in those stages. It's actually associated with trust and comfort and bonding and security and relationship building. Now, if you can remember, if you have had a child, oxytocin is released a lot during lactation. You know, when you're feeding your baby, this is what leads to the feeling of restfulness and that lull that will make the infant to fall asleep while they are feeding. Now, when the relationship matures, you're going to find that people in it are so connected and attuned that there is affection and restfulness and connection and trust and security. And all of these are beautiful and you celebrate them. However, since this can sometimes lead to a lull, a sense of sleep, sleep, it can have the adverse effect of robbing the relationship of excitement and mystery and that motivation that comes from the release of dopamine, which is part of our reward system. In fact, unless people in the relationship are careful, you're going to find that they can settle into a routine that borders on boredom. Remember when the relationship was in the romantic love stage? There was excitement and adventure and curiosity. There were unending conversations. So now we want to consciously experience the same. And the way to do that is by re-romanticizing the relationship. We don't want the relationship to flatline, right? And because this is what, because when, when the relationship flatlines, sometimes this is what can open the doors to affairs and exits and, and addictions as people are subconsciously searching for the thrill of the excitement that no longer is. We want the relationship to stay alive. We want the relationship to be robbers wanted to thrive wanted to be filled with energy now i'm an addict when it comes to love and being in love <laughs> i love all things about love if i'm going to take time to watch a movie it must either be a romantic comedy or a romantic movie that ends with love triumphant so i need to know that you know it's going to end in love i don't like things that end in tears so if i'm gonna be giving my attention it must end in love you know i watch in childlike wonder sometimes when i see an old couple locking eyes in deep conversation at a restaurant i mean have you ever not looked in, in an admiring manner to a man opening the door to his beloved and ushering her in with a smile to remember that here comes the pride to remember the eyes popping wide open 
in, in the groom's face to remember that look of satiation, that excitement, that robust energy. I don't know, have you ever seen a mother who's lovingly cooing gibberish language to their child who is the object of their affection and love? I mean, sometimes I sit by the swimming pool and I watch bears, you know, that are actually sacking each other, you know, in a loving manner. Or I watch our dogs nesting in a warm embrace or rubbing each other's fur. My friend, I love the idea of love. And my radar is constantly scanning the atmosphere. And I'm always filled with admiration when I'm in the presence of a couple that is in love. They bring with them that energy. You know, there's a fire that lights up the room. There's an aura. You know, there's, there's something that you can touch. It's almost like you can touch. And it warms the heart if you are actually aware of it. Now, my favorite Bible story about love and being in love is about Isaac and Rebecca. Now, if you have, if you read the Bible, this story is found in the book of Genesis chapter 24, verse 67. And I've always thought, you know what? This love story is written with Imago theory in mind. Listen to this Bible verse. Then Isaac brought her into the tent of Sarah, his mother, and took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her. So Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. Oh, my friend, this is what, this epitomizes the healing power inherent in a committed romantic relationship. Here is Isaac, his mother's only son. He's grieving the loss of the mother whom he loved so much. And he's, he's inconsolable. He's lost. He's got no energy. He's just moving in the days. And then life ushers Rebecca. And you know what? He's comforted in the sweet embrace of this loving wife. He's restored to joyful aliveness. He's in love. And this woman brings with her what, what, what has been lacking, brings with her excitement, brings with her restfulness, brings with her joy. And you find that his wound of the loss of the mother gets to be healed. But I want you to listen to something else in the very same story. If you read Genesis chapter 26, verse 8 and 9, it's going to say, okay, now here we're talking about Isaac. Isaac, uh, they've been married now for many years and they are living in a foreign land, in the land of Philistines. And Isaac does something that is very wrong. He lies and he puts his wife's life at danger. But I'm not talking about that right now. I'm talking about love right now, not that. Now, Genesis chapter 26, verse 8 and 9. When Isaac had been there for some time, that is in the land of Philistines, Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked down from the window and was surprised to see Isaac caressing his wife, Rebekah. Immediately, Abimelech called Isaac and exclaimed, She's obviously your wife. Why did you say she's my sister? Isaac replied, Because I was afraid someone would kill me to get her from me. Now, look at this. This couple, they have lied and they have said we are siblings. And now it is during the day, they are out there in the field. And uh, Isaac, in, in the space between, Isaac is looking, you know, longingly and lovingly at the wife. He's fondling her, maybe touching her hair, maybe touching her chin. Oh, and uh, Rebecca is also smitten and she's looking tenderly. And the king is watching them from the window and he saying, no ways, no ways. It's obvious. It is obvious. My friend, when you speak about real romanticizing, in the relationship, we want to keep the fires burning so that it can be obvious even to strangers that we have something going on here and that it is something that is very, very deep. You know, it always saddens me whenever I have couples consulting with me, uh, you know, when, when, they, when they are shackled in the throes of the power struggle, you know, you watch them even come in, they don't walk together. It's one following the other. And, and you find that the, the, the space between them is so wide that you can actually build a highway 
you know, when they sit down, they are sitting as far apart as possible. And the glares they exchange, you literally need a fire extinguisher to put out the fire. There's so much tension that you can slice it with a knife. The atmosphere can sometimes be so cold and frozen that if you drop the flower between them, it would immediately wilt. My friend, no, this is not what should be happening in the space between. We can't have a space between that is so tangy and tart, that is so bitter, that if you pour milk, it will immediately turn into mass. God forbid, that's not what we want. Relationships, my friend, like living organisms, require intentionality. And here at Has Courageous, we have committed ourselves to support people who want to be proactive and nurture what they have so that it won't die in their hands. And of course, we also want to support and help those who are sick and tired of living in contaminated vessels, but they are also willing to roll their sleeves and get to work. You know, someone has rightly said, in theory, there is no difference between theory and practice. But in practice, there is. And what is that difference? It is implementation. So we want a relationship that is alive, vibrant, full of energy. And one way to do this is by re-romanticizing the relationship. We need to break the predictable patterns, you know, those habits. Because they breed boredom. You know, when we're in automatic habits, we tend to fall asleep. You know, you just, you've got a checklist. You can even walk into your house in a daze. Your relationship is just so, so predictable that, you know, it's pizza day on Thursday. We wake up and then we read the paper and then we've got uh, fried eggs and, and tomato. Then we go and sit by the pool. I mean, you can even move within that relationship with your eyes that are closed. And stability is very, very important. Because it brings uh, safety and security and also it also leads to pr productivity. But at the same time, you need to focus on the fact that it is also going to breed bottom. When you're in automatic habit, then you are not going to thrive. You know, you need to introduce and strive to keep a sense of mystery, newness, adventure, surprises, fun. Re-romanticize the relationship. Infuse joy. Create and access joy. And this is going to make the relationship robust with energy. We believe in Emako that joy is our very essence, that we are, it's wired deep down in our being. I mean, notice what happens in your body right now. If I say to you, tell me what brings you joy. Tell me what brings you joy. As soon as you accede to my request and begin to reflect so as to respond to me, there's joy in just thinking about joy. I mean, as you are thinking about joy, without experiencing that which brings you joy, there is a shift in your energy. Your body immediately responds by releasing neurotransmitters that flood your body. And if the sea or the beach is what brings you joy, immediately when you think about it, your brain is already bringing up all these energies and the smells and the sounds. And I mean, you, you begin flooded. Immediately there is a rumbling in your internal world. And this we fully experience in the romantic love stage. The heart would pump, you know, our palms would sweat, we'd feel a weakness. But the romantic love stage is unconscious and it is driven by the forces of attraction or what you call nature's anesthesia, which is going to glue you together with the aim of creating something that is going to lead to healing and growth. These are activities of subcortical uh, mind. And now I'm talking about something here that is going to be done consciously. Because though the romantic love stage can end, the romance, it can last a lifetime. Because romance is a verb rather than a noun. It's not something you fall into. It's an action that is done with consciousness and intention. And it is done with that part of the brain. That is the prefrontal cortex, you know. We're not on automatic response here. We are awake. We are sober. I love what Herst, uh, Sullivan says. He says, you know, it does not matter much what happens inside an individual. What happens the most is what happens between them. And remember, we have spoken about the space between. 
you know, the space between is where the magic happens. And the engine for this magic is called romance. Romance is what brings joy. So keep joy flowing. Joy is our birthright, you know. Who we are is energy. Who we are is, is just vibrancy. We are relaxation, we are joyfulness. However, when we are wounded in childhood, when there was a need not met, maybe a crisis or a trauma befalls us, there's a disturbance in this energy. And now this locks out all, the, this locks up all this energy so that you feel disconnected and there is disunity and you feel sad and alone and scared and anxious and not safe. That is why when you get into a committed, committed romantic relationship, then it is what is about healing and recovery of those lost parts of ourselves. Remember what you said before? Reimage your partner. Had they not been hurt the way they were, they probably would have been somebody different. But now in your space, they can get to be who they were originally created to be. You can help them to recover that core energy. And you can touch the atmosphere with so much excitement and joy, true romance, that is going to replace all that sadness with happiness, all that lethargy with excitement and robust energy. Now, one of the ways of defining romance actually is that it's about restoring life, you know, that life energy at the core, recovering that joy, that, that, that relaxed joyfulness. We, we are talking here about the state of being where two people both nurture and encourage acts, acts and thoughts that are going to cherish one another as unique. We're not just talking about going to dinner or buying flowers, though these are very important parts of romance. But romance is an attitude, it's a mindset, it is a way you see your partner, a willingness to cultivate joy, a, willing, a willingness to cherish and express joy in tangible and intangible ways, celebrating your partner and your relationship, intentionally and consciously making your partner the object of love and affection. You don't want to allow anything, not job, not church, not car, not children, not in-laws, not social media, to be a competitive factor. When it comes to your partner, they are number one, they know it, it's settled, and everybody else knows it. You don't want your partner to get the leftovers and the world to get the best of you. So romance is taking time at the end of the day to reflect on what you did to enhance your partner on that day. Romance is about starting every day with your partner in mind and the relationship in mind. Wondering, what can I do today to enhance? How can I be a source of pleasure today? You know, romance is a form of love making, with the act of sexual intimacy itself just signifying hitting the highest note in this ongoing rendition or dance of the lovers. When there is romance, my friend, the brain calls you as safe and your presence activates pleasure centers. And this is one of the things that keep the sexual fires burning. Some of us are so bent on having sexual intimacy every day. You can have that true romance. Romance will give you the same high and when you get into the part itself, when you get into love making, when you get into that act of sexual intimacy that binds you together, you're just hitting, hitting the pinnacle, just hitting the pinnacle of romance. My friend, it's not enough to just reduce negativity. You need to introduce joy, pleasure, laughter, fun, and play. So how do you keep romance alive in a relationship? How do you create and sustain joy? Sustain joy? You know, I'm going to share a few ideas here. Just a few ideas. One, introduce fun and play into the everyday and ordinary. Be intentional. In Imako, we believe that you should not wait to love, feel good in order to have fun. Otherwise, you're going to wait for the rest of your life. If you're going to wait until you feel like it, you're never going to do it. And therefore, you're never going to feel like it. So be intentional. Get up and do it. And the feelings are going to join the party. Now, having fun and, and spontaneous play are one way of renewing romance because play is relational, you know. 
Spontaneous play is what establishes safety, trust, and it is a way of regulating the emotions of the person who may even be upset. It brings a smile. You know, when you introduce something that is fun and playful, even someone who's upset, they begin to smile and it calms their primitive brain. You know, they experience a cool off and then energy is moved into the prefrontal cortex and then they can reason and they, they can use also logic even better. In play, all our defenses are relaxed. You know, when you laugh and you play together, when you are warm towards each other, it also establishes the bond between the two of us. Tension is diffused, bridges are end, and for once, we are connected all over again. I know, friends, that for some people, play can be a trigger. Maybe because it is paired with painful memories of punitive parents who were overstreet, and maybe the moment of play, freedom, and fun was followed by pain. So you find that these people avoid pleasure or they have they avoid play and maybe if someone is a parentified child which means maybe they had to grow up and and look after a sickly parent when they were young and then they had to look after, after their younger siblings maybe they got separated from biological caregivers and then they had to be responsible and mature early you're going to find that play may have been a forbidden delicacy or maybe a waste of time in the midst of chores and responsibilities but when you introduce it, you allow that child in to, inside them, you know, you know, the child within, you allow them to reawaken once again and begin to come out and join the party. And when you do that, they begin to experience that healing that is so important within the context of a relationship. Now, some people also are so addicted to pain that because it was familiar love, maybe it was part of familiar love, they grew up with pain and that is all they know. That is their only way of feeling alive. You're going to find that they constantly create a drama. They, are, they, they just, you know, you're sitting and, and it's, it's peaceful, but they can't be addressed because something in them is disintegrating because they can't sit and listen to their body. Then they want to create fights and arguments and drama. You know, you find that people want to hold on sometimes to painful paths of betrayals and abandonment and disappointment. And this is what blocks energy and it stifles not just the person, but it kills the partner and it sucks life from the relationship. But when you allow ourselves to play, when you introduce fun, it's going to unlock this energy and it's going to help the person experience a different way of being alive. Friends, introduce play. Even when things are going the hardest in your relationship, never do away with fun activities because this is what is going to recreate or is going to reborn the two of you. In play, there is no fear, no criticism, and no judgment. And it can help someone reclaim the capacity to enjoy life and pleasure. It can help the person, help your partner to reclaim that, that lost part of themselves, help them. You know, because some people grew up with dysfunction and therefore play is fragile. You know, it's not familiar. So they feel guilty sometimes when they are playing because they always have had to be serious. They can't be at ease and laugh and let go. But if you come in and you introduce the fun, you introduce the dancing, you introduce the music, you introduce the, the, the activity, whatever fun activities are going to do, they are going to find that it's going to help them to heal. I love this quotation. We do not stop playing because we grow old, but we grow old because we stop playing. So take time with the love of your life. Brainstorm. Discuss ideas of play and fun into your relationship. Introduce it. Whoa, your lover with uh, fun and play. Let's talk about surprises. You know, surprises, my friend, are the hot source of relationships. They are the protection against the boredom and flatness of habituation that can happen in stable, long-term relationships. You know, even this actually proved that, you know what, when rewards are given randomly and unpredictably, 
you know they are going to they they, they cause pleasure you know they keep people interested and engaged you know we're not doing things in a way that is unpredictable instead of maybe just uh, buying flowers every friday deciding that you know what this time i'm gonna buy the flowers on wednesday and it's not just going to be flowers i'm gonna buy his bouquet i'm gonna write a note and i'm gonna deliver it i'm gonna go into my uh, partner's work then i'm gonna press the bell and then they're gonna come down i'm gonna give them you, you you are introducing it differently and it's gonna be like mind blowing when they're like oh my partner can take time to do this for me you know when you are planning surprises you're communicating that i care about you i think about you i want to bring you joy you know when you're planning surprises when you're when you're surprising your partner with all these unconditional activities or, or eggs you know you're healing something in them you know and you're not doing it as a ploy or to manipulate or there are no strings attached and you don't want something from them and you know it's something that your partner wants because you listen to them when they're telling you about what brings it them joy and you write down and you're also listening to them when they are dropping up you know there's something we call it Marco, random droppings when when there's a conversation maybe with friends or you're at a function and then you your partner mentions something about what they desire or what they like or what they long for and you listen so that you can surprise them with that it's very very important again remember you need to study to advance your partner's happiness we are able to surprise people with things that are in their bucket list if i know that one of the things that my partner is longing for is maybe to fly and maybe go to mpumalanga at kruger national park i'm talking about south africa then when i'm planning that you know what what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna come out with all guns blazing i'm gonna plan a surprise tickets paid and then a car booked and then bookings done and then i'm gonna give my partner here 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 this is what you're doing this is my gift to you for your birthday very very important that we need to plan surprises for our partners let's talk about dating what about dating you know it has been recently reported that the average couple spends only 20 minutes at a week 20 minutes and remember that a week has got around 10,080 minutes only 20 minutes one-on-one face-to-face alone with each other in this container we're talking about time spent doing activities we're talking about just spending time with each other focusing on each other my friend it seems endemic that we get busy we're getting busier and busier and spend less time and less time actually being with each other we've actually become human doings uh, instead of human beings that's what one writer says what is dating it's about being together on one-on-one and uh, most couples you know are stating that their relationship is a high priority, but are you giving it time? Are you investing resources in your week? How much time are you allocating it? What? How much time are you, are you spending actually paying attention to your partner, focusing on their relationship so that it's going to grow and flourish? You know, it's very important for us to make sure that we are taking time to nurture because unless you take time to nurture the relationship, you're going to have to take time to actually heal it. You're going to have to take time to actually nurse it back to health. You're going to pay the price with a divorce paper that satisfies or that certifies that you have succeeded in killing something that was placed in your hands. It was alive and kicking when it was placed in your hand and you have killed it. So it's important for you to be intentional about having regular date nights, making dating a sacred ritual between the two of you. It's important to establish family traditions of how you celebrate birthdays, achievements, anniversaries, and punctuating this with something that is different, something that is uh, surprising. Holidays, all of these things are important because you want a relationship that is going to thrive. Lastly, I want to, 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 to give you one other idea. Cultivate the culture of appreciating each other. This keeps romance on flick. 
you know, people are generally too quick to criticize and judge, but very stingy when it comes to appreciating to appreciation and praise. You know, when things are going well, hmm, our mouths are zipped, but let things go wrong. If someone has been coming home early every day and or they have been reporting that, you know what, I'm going to be late because I'm going to start doing this. I'm going to stop and do this. Oh, we don't appreciate that. But the moment they are late and they don't tell you, you come with all these ways of criticism and judgments. It's important for you to appreciate your partner. When you appreciate your partner, you know what you're communicating? You're saying, I see you. And your efforts do not go unnoticed. Your actions and behavior have an impact on me. And I see and I appreciate. So pay, pay attention to all that your partner is doing. Make sure that you appreciate what they are doing and what they are doing well. And appreciate even their efforts, even tiny, minute efforts towards certain behaviors, towards change. Make sure that you notice and appreciate because that is what is going to encourage them to also want to do more. Appreciate things that they do, who they are, how they help, how they support. And also appreciate the look, the touch, the word, whatever it is. You know, there's something that we call in Imago a uh, positive flirting. You know, when you speak about positive flirting, we're talking about an appreciation on steroids. You're not just talking about a, a, a drizzle. You're talking about rain that is falling where even an umbrella cannot contain it. And when you speak about this, this positive flirting, you know, you know, it's very, it's very, it's very banal to say to someone, you look beautiful all the time. Okay. Yeah. You look beautiful all the time. Okay, fine. But can you please come out and say it differently? Maybe, oh, you look amazing. You know, the way that suit, you, you know, when you're dressed in that suit, you just look like, like you look like royalty. You know, when I see you walking in uh, with, with that dress, oh, you look beautiful. Oh, look at how it just, it just, it just suits your calves. Oh, look at your radiant skin. Wow. The, the, your flawless Skin, you know, look at your, your your hair, your natural hair. I just love your warm eyes, the tenderness of your touch, all oh, your soft hands, the gentleness when you are holding me. This is a flood. When you look at the person, you say you are amazing, you're kind, you're beautiful. I love how you love people. I love how you share. I love how you've got the most amazing heart. You've got warm eyes. You've got, as you know, you know, you you know, my friend. This is a laser focus of intensity. And what is it meant to do? It is meant to penetrate any resistance and defenses. And it's, it's meant to actually replace the intensity of pain with the intensity of pleasure. Now, it's important for you to remember that people who have not yet resolved or have not healed from their childhood trauma, you're going to find that there's a numbness at their core because of how many times maybe they may have been told as children that they're stupid, they're foolish, they're useless, they're not good enough, or maybe they were dismissed and they were not seen, they were passed by. So if you want to begin to cause a shift, you need intensity, you know? You know, my friend, we are so good at unconsciously repeating things that we've done wrong. We will bash and criticize and insult and use cruel words that are meant to break. But when it comes to appreciating, we think one sentence mentioned in passing is going to be enough to undo the damage of all of that. No. Gottman actually speaks, speaks about the principle of one to five. And he says for every negative word, you better come up with five in order for you to cause repair. It's very unfortunate in our society. That we sometimes wait until people are dead and they are lifeless in their coffins before we celebrate them. Oh boy, do we flood them during those funerals. The words that they may have longed to hear are passionately recited over their lifeless bodies with tears and all of that. It's important for you to flood your partner right now. Speak about their physical being. 
Talk to them about their personality, their qualities, their traits. You know, create a high-frequency field and let them know that you notice them. They matter and they have an impact upon you and upon your life. People want to be celebrated, my friend. We all want to know that we matter. We all want the people we love to actually let us know that we matter, that we make a difference to their lives. That is why once in a while it's important for us to not just appreciate, but to give them that flood that is going to cause so many shifts within their internal world. Global affirmations. What a blessing you are in my life. You know, the brain shifts when someone says you are amazing. I don't know. I don't know how life would have been had I not had you. I'm thriving and productive. I'm climbing the ladder. I'm climbing the corporate ladder. I'm now in the status. And I know it is because of your support and your love and your encouragement and your help. You help me when I'm doing my project. You always by me. You let your partner know, my friend. Let your partner know what impact they have at you. Dear friend, romantic love may end, but if you want to keep the euphoria and excitement, create romance in your relationship. Now, I understand that change is difficult. You know, I know it's not easy sometimes to implement some of these things that I speak about here, but you've got to start somewhere. If you want the relationship to thrive, then you must roll up your sleeves and be prepared that you're going to face some obstacles, but it's going to be worth it in the end. When you're living in that robust, energetic boat, when you're flying with your lover, when you're sitting there and there's so much love and there's so much contentment and depth, there's excitement, there's robust energy, it is going to be worth it. My friend, I know this is not easy, so allow me to leave you with a verse, Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens and empowers me. Now, here it has courageous. We realize that it takes courage to look within. And we also realize that it takes even more courage to do the work that is necessary for the relationship to thrive and for the people in it to stay connected and recover wholeness. So big ups to you, my friend, for taking this very important step to invest in your relationship. We want you to know that we are praying for you and we wish you love, safety, and connection in your relationship. Talk to you in the next episode.